Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Today on the show, we've got my friend, Bruce Peterson. I really think you're going to like this episode. Bruce is a high energy guy, but he's done a lot of stuff. He came from a retail background, corporate world, and with no experience, got into multifamily, got a coach, got a 48 unit deal done and parlayed that into many, many more multifamily projects after that. He's known as the apartment guy. If you Google that or see that on social media, Bruce Peterson's the apartment guy. So um, look for that. He's the, he's the author of a uh, book on syndication. Syndication is a, is a B word. And he's also got um, streetversity.com, which is a, which is an education platform. So Bruce has been super active in the multifamily space in Texas and in, and now in Tennessee. And we just dive into what he's done, the business he's built, how he's done it, what the team looks like. Um, and just kind of the whole journey. So I, I think you're going to enjoy the whole thing. And then, you know, I was like talking to guys that have that have done a lot of things and exited deals and been at it a while because there are always nuggets from guys like that. Bruce is definitely one of those guys and been a personal friend of mine and was one of the guys early on for me before I got started multifamily that I looked at that was ahead of me doing, doing big things. And it was an inspiration and a mentor to me early on. So I owe Bruce big debt of gratitude for uh, getting me started in this business. And it was awesome to catch up with him. Little housekeeping before we jump into the episode. If you are not currently on the DJE investor list and you'd like to see upcoming projects, um, go to the website djetexas.com and you can schedule a quick call with our team. We can get to know you, start to build that relationship, get you case studies, all that good stuff, so that when a project does present itself, you're able to uh, see those and and uh, decide if that's something you want to participate in. Further, if you want to get plugged in and push the fast forward button on your multifamily investing, we put together some excellent and excellent course for you that I teach at apartmenteducators.com. You can go get a free course there. The apartmenteducators.com community is a whole ecosystem where we plug folks in and teach them how to do this business. If that's something you want to do and accelerate your multifamily investing business, check out apartmenteducators.com. All right. So that's the intro and a couple of resources there for you. Let's jump in and talk to the apartment guy, Mr. Bruce Peterson. Here we go. Bruce Peterson, welcome. How are you? Good, bud. How are you? Doing great, man. I'm excited to catch up. Um, we obviously go way back, but uh, you know, you've been doing so much new projects, new to me anyway. I mean, you're out in Nashville. We talked about the education platform and, and lots of other stuff. But before we dive into all that, which is kind of what I want to spend time talking about, Maybe just a quick intro for people that don't know the apartment guy, that don't know Bruce Peterson. How'd you come to real estate? Um, you know, what was what was that process like for you? So first of all, my my feelings are hurt. How do you how, how dare you think people don't know who I am? Exactly. There might <laughs> I'm, be a- I'm the apartment guy. Not kidding. Most <laughs> dare they aren't gonna know who the hell I am, and that's fine. Um, so you know, I'm a college dropout, parents were high school dropouts, I uh, worked in retail for almost 20 years. Hit a wall at 42 and thought, shit, I can't do this anymore. It, it's yep. just, it's literally killing me. And I hate doing what I'm doing. 80 to 100 hour work weeks uh, toward the end of my retail career. And so I just walked away. Uh, I had saved right. enough money because, you know, I was a Dave Ramsey guy back then. I'm not anymore, but, uh, you know, I lived way below my means. I invested right. my money smartly that I could afford to walk away at 42. I sat down at the computer one day. I thought, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? 
not married. I have no kids. I don't have a girlfriend, you know, hundred hour work weeks. I didn't have time for anything. Sure. And I got to figure out what, what well, I putzed around in my front yard, planting flowers and working on my lawn and things like that for a year just right. to decompress. And then I did a Google search looking for a mentor. I found a really, really top quality coach to help me work through how to invest in real estate. I listened to that coach and, you know, key, bought my first apartment there. complex. Very key, key distinction. You actually listen because whatever human yeah. tendency there is to get the best advice from the most qualified person and go, ah, I don't know. I think maybe I'd do it different. Yeah. It drives me crazy when I'll be coaching somebody and, you yep. know, I told them exactly what to do. Well, no, I think I want to do it this way, you know, in their minds, <laughs> because I'm the best slurpy maker in the history of Seven Eleven. I don't need your, ad- all right, dude, have fun Go for it. Don't blame me when this shit blows up in your face. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, I interrupted. So you, you found a coach, you actually listened and implemented some steps and you bought an apartment building. So interesting Note there, you didn't flip a bunch of houses. You didn't go to a wholesaling course. Um, you, w- you went straight into a big building with essentially zero experience. Is that, is that right? Is that accurate? Not essentially with absolutely no experience. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. had no job. I had no paycheck. I had no experience. I had nothing. But I started my real estate journey in apartment complexes. I bought a 48 unit apartment complex. I syndicated the first deal I ever did. I've yep. only done syndicated deals. Um, you know, I've done what seven, eight syndications throughout Texas. Now uh, we're doing a lot of stuff in Nashville and Chattanooga, but yeah, I jumped right in because again, I had a coach that showed me the benefit of syndicating why right. they thought I could do it, how it all worked and I believed in them. I trusted them. And I believed in myself really is what it was. I knew that I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I want to listen. I want to take coaching guidance and I'll figure it out. You know, I wasn't scared. I was nervous, but I wasn't scared. Right. Not scared enough to keep you from taking action. Right. Well, what was that? What, what did that first deal look like? And particularly, you know, given what we're talking in the middle of 2021, you know, we kind of know where the markets are, where pricing is. Where, where was pricing on that deal and what, you know, how big was it? So it's a 48 unit apartment complex, North Austin, uh, $34,000 a door. Oh, um, yeah. not a lot of that floating around. No, I just closed <laughs> on another 48 units. Uh, I feel like I'm going backwards in size right now, but right. we're running that 48 unit out of our 200 unit right down the street. So it's working out well, but this nice. 48 unit is uh, I just paid $128,000 a door for it. So sure. yeah, things have changed quite a bit. That first deal was 1.6 million bucks and I had to raise uh, $575,000 to do my first deal. Right, which I mean, for the deals you do now and have done is nothing, but uh, how did that feel trying to raise half a million bucks first time out, you know, was, was that pretty wild or was that kind of, you know, was that, was, was that capital raise relatively simple? Well, in hindsight, it was pretty simple, but never having done it. Yeah, I was a little nervous, but at the same time, I didn't know to be nervous, right? Mm, I just knew I'm going to go do this. And I never thought about what happens if I don't, what happens if it doesn't go. I never thought about that. Now I knew, look, I still need this much, or I still, I'm short there and I got to go find people. I had to find some KPs because I didn't have a job. You know, so they're not going to give me a loan with no experience and no way to back this loan. Right. So if I can't make the loan payments uh, through the business, 
Bruce, how are you going to pay for this? So I had to bring in a couple of people. Um, so, you know, I had to do that. That it's a little stressful, but at the same time, I went into it with conviction, knowing that I'm being taught by somebody that's done it themselves. They've taught other people to do uh, what I'm trying to do successfully. I know people are out there doing it. Other people have started with no experience. So I really did. When it finally hit me was the day before close. And I called uh, my coach and said, look, um, she's like, what's wrong? Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. She said, well, but I do. Day before close. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. She said, yeah. but I do. And you've listened to every step of the way to this mm. point. You're going to be fine. I'm here for you as a lifeline. If something goes wrong, you got to get Love out it. there and do it, Bruce. But I'm here with you. Uh, so, you know, it to me, it was invaluable to have a coach. A lot of people like on different boards. Oh, they're all crooks. You don't need a damn coach. You don't need a guru is what they're calling them. And when they're right, when they're angry about it. Do, do whatever works for you. Go sit down in the library for 400 hours trying to research all this shit. And then when something comes up that's not in the books you read, what are you going to do? You know, guys, you need a coach if you've never done this. I can't speak highly enough about the coach that I had. Right. Yeah. There's certainly something to uh, pushing the fast forward button and paying yep. to do so. I mean, if you're going to take somebody's time that's doing big deals and really experienced, that time's not going to be free. And it's a it's a it's a problem that there is so much great free content. There's no question. Right. You can go watch YouTube videos, podcasts of plenty, books, et cetera. You've got a book. Right. You're on a podcast right now. All this stuff is great as a spice or a supplement, but, uh, that's not going to get you, it's not going to get you all the way there. Exactly. So people, you know, talk to me all the time about, well, I'll just read a book. I'll just read your book. And that's great. You know, you need all that knowledge. You need all that book learning, but I'm telling you, I'm not asking to be your coach. I'm telling you, you should have a coach. If you could find a free one, more power to you. Sure. Most people like Devin don't have time to just do it for free. You know, we're busy as hell. So you should expect to pay somebody for that. And people get tripped up. Oh, I'm not going to pay for that because I can find it all for free. All right, look, me as a coach, I just like Devin, I can teach you how to make a million dollars a year without any question. I do it myself. All the people that I know at our level, we're all making that kind of money. And if you're not willing to give somebody 20 to 40 or maybe even $100,000, okay, that's a little high. I understand. But if investing that money, because it is an investment in you and your future business that could make you potentially millions of dollars a year, why the hell would you get stuck on that $20,000 number? It makes no sense. You paid Baylor or AM or UTSA or you paid somebody usually money to go to college to get a job you probably hate or maybe didn't even get a job in your field, right. but you were willing to go do that dogmatic thing, but you're not willing to pay somebody. Think of this as a trade school, right? You're learning a trade that could make you ridiculously wealthy if you do it right. Yeah. No, I love it. I like to make the analogy, well, not the analogy, just get out a, a, a closing statement from a multifamily deal. Hey, look at this line item. The attorney, uh, the lender attorney made 30,000. I paid my attorney 20,000. The rate cap, costs 40 grand. The title company made $60,000 on a title. Like just look at kind of the line items on a closing statement and to go a $20,000, $30,000 uh, consulting fee in this business is like, I mean, that's, you know, the lender just made 
you know, $150,000 origination fee or whatever the case is. So it's just kind of the numbers that we're, that we're dealing with. So I, that point is, is well taken. Um, so you did the Austin deal, you did the 48 units, you listened to your coach. How did that deal turn out? What happened with it after you closed? So again, I went into it with no experience and I was scared to death the day before I was closing, talked to my coach. She kind of talked me off the ledge and we kept moving. We held it for about two years and four months and without any experience, but listening as I went and I stumbled a few times, you know, you're going to, you're going to bloody your nose every once in a while. I ran sure. into a few walls, but you know, three, two and a half years later, we sold in the LPs, the limited partners, passive investors, they made a 300% return on that deal. Love so it. It worked out well. Now, yes, I'm completely aware that I bought in 2012 and the Austin market happened to me, right? For sure. me, whatever you sure. want to say. Yeah. But, you know, we were still doing well on a cash flow front. We, uh, it's been a while now, but I think we were making 10 to 12% cash on cash returns. So right. we were doing well there. But yes, cap rates started to compress and I did ride some of that. And, and that brought up, brings up another point that. You know, the original business plan for all of my investors was, guys, we're probably going to hold this for about five to seven years. Right. They knew I had no experience, but still, that was the game plan. So I went to them at the end of the second year, said, hey, you know, I've seen what the market's done. I think we should sell. I don't want to be the pig that ends up losing his ass because, oh, I just got to hold it a little. I could squeeze a little more pro. What right. happens if the market turns, guys? I can't sell this tomorrow. It's going to be a three to six month process to get this damn thing sold. That's and I right. don't want to see our value start to erode while we got greedy. So I had one of them come to me, said, Look, man, you said five to seven years and we bought for cash flow. That was what you sold me on. Why oh, wow. are we selling our cash flow? Well, because to me, I thought I was buying a fully stabilized asset that I was paying full retail for. You know, there might be a little bit of a bump on the back end because, you know, I'm buying retail, I will sell retail. I didn't realize what was going to happen to the market. So yeah, I, I told them, look, we're buying for cash flow. Uh, it's my first deal. But anyway, so they came to me and said, look, why are we selling this cash flow, this income stream? I said, okay, I understand what you're saying. I hear you. I only had one of those people. But I said, think about it this way. The, the cash flow that we're giving up, dude, I'm going to give you nine years of cash flow in one day. Yeah, that's right. In so, one day. I mean, let, let's lock in a 300% profit. Let's not get greedy. So what right. happened now, uh, I don't remember what that specific investor did with their proceeds. I didn't understand 1031s and multifamily back then. So uh, we didn't 1031, but I didn't take a promote on that first deal, by the way. But so I got paid exactly the way the investor got paid. Right. I got the same 300%. I didn't get any premium compensation because I didn't have a promote. So I took the money from that first deal and it turned into the investment capital for my personal stake in my next two deals. So that first deal for me turned into three total deals. Outstanding. It was an incredible move. Right, right. Going from nothing, buying the 48 unit. It's funny to hear you say 35K a door is, is full retail pricing. Like that just doesn't even compute, but hey, yeah, that's how it goes. So you, and then you were able to parlay that into more deals. And what size were those subsequent deals? So the next deal I bought was 120 units right up the street from the first deal. First deal, And then the third one I bought was in San Antonio. It was right. a 256 unit that somebody that I'm, that's on the podcast right now probably knows a little bit about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You know, I'm preparing for this podcast. I completely for, even forgot about that deal. That's awesome. You know, I was having lunch with a mutual friend of ours who mentioned that that deal was on the market, which I didn't even realize. Cause we'd looked at it two years before or something. Yeah. 
And I, I called, uh, I called our broker friend, mutual friend. And next thing you know, we're closing on it. Very small world in multifamily folks. So, uh, Keep that in yep. mind at all times. <laughs> yeah, that's why I try to tell people when I'm coaching them, be a good buyer, be a good seller, right. be a professional, act with integrity, class, and professionalism, because you're probably going to cross paths with that some bitch again. Yeah, you know? with so everybody, just, the yep. brokers, the sellers, the attorneys. Absolutely. I mean, it's such a small world, which is which is uh, good and bad, but I would say mostly good <laughs> if, you're, if you're a good operator. Um, right. Let's talk about management. So- you know, we spend a lot of time with financial engineering and what kind of, you know, obviously we spend a lot of time with the lenders or working with a loan broker because that's going to, that's a huge lever we can pull. But the day, you know, and we spend all this time raising capital, but you own it for two, three, four, five years. There's a lot going on day to day. What was your property management approach and, and what are you guys doing for property management today? So the 48 unit didn't have uh, an on-site management office. So right. what was going on, the person that owned it also owned a 200 unit up the street and they were managing it, managing it out of that property that I didn't own. Right. So I had to keep the management company on board when I first bought it. That and the lender's like, hell no, you're going to you know give this to a professional to do for right. you yep. because I'm taking a lot of risk on you. I'm not going to take that risk. I'm like, okay. Yep. So my loan doc said, you must have third-party management, but it didn't say for how long. It just said, you must have it, you know, basically to get the loan is kind of the way it was read. Right. So uh, after we took it over, it took six months, but I built uh, an office on site, just a little bitty 10 by 10. Didn't need much. It's 48 units. Right. And I hired a part-time manager and fired my property management company because again, the documents did not say I had to have them for the duration or for X amount of time. It just said, you must have. So I hired, uh, I hired somebody myself and got rid of them. And it's the best thing I've ever done. I love having a management company. Now, honestly, it is the brain damage of this right. industry. It's it the work. Absolutely. Right. You have your own management company now too. So I love it, but it's probably 80% of the job. Right. You know, the asset management, it's vitally important. That's, that's the company or the person that's driving the investment for the investors, but it's not that day-to-day difficult. It's right. the management company. That's where, you know, you have turnover constantly. You have to deal with the death on a property. You have to deal with what are we going to, how are we going to lock down the office during COVID, right? right? So I love doing it. Most people don't want to do it because again, it is absolute brain damage. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's tempting to just kind of, uh, Voice that off on some third party, which which may work and may not work, but you you got to be able to control these things, which is uh, you know the conundrum of build your own management company or use third party. We both know guys that have been very successful growing big uh, investment firms with third party, and that's great if you can make it work, but uh, you got to find the right one, and you got to you got to be super cautious there. Um, and then build, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you build your own. There's plenty, that's a whole other, that's a whole other ball of wax, but you find that having that level of control at the end of the day is worth, worth owning the management company. Well, it's not only the amount of control. I love people. I love yeah. businesses. I love grooming, mentoring, hiring. I like the hiring process. I really do. I like to interview people. It's kind of yeah. fun for me. Sure. Um, if I don't have that management company, I don't get the day-to-day interaction with the staff. Now I can go sure. up and say, Hey, how you doing? They're not my employees, though. They're the That's right. employees of the management company, and they could take that person and move it up to another property anytime they choose. Right. Um, but yeah, I do have more control. But at the same time, I get to be more involved in my employees' lives. We have a super high standard, 
Uh, but we also try to make it fun. If I hire a third-party management company, I don't know how you're going to be treating the employees. And that matters to me. For sure. um, I don't know how you're going to be treating the residents for the most part. You know, I don't know what's going on. You're, I'm only going to know what you're going to allow me to see. Now, there are public reviews on Google and Yelp and all that. But for the most part, I'm only going to get the feedback you choose to share with me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that, t- that totally makes sense. So Austin, San Antonio, leveraging your first deal to get into more deals. Let's talk about Nashville. I'm curious about that, right? I mean, we, we just kind of stick around in Texas, but you, you've got, kind of made some connections in Nashville, which is uh, considered kind of a sister city of, of Austin. And then Chattanooga, you mentioned. How'd that come about? What are you guys doing out there? And why do you, why do you like uh, Tennessee? Well, I found a guy that, well, it was a men's accountability group that you and I both used to belong to. You still do, I think. Um, I do, yeah. But I, I did a presentation on what syndications are and how they worked at one of our Austin events. There were like 50 guys in the room. And oh, my business partner now, he came up to me afterwards. He's 26 years old, said, hey, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a commercial broker and, you know, I'm a, I'm a developer. But what's this syndication thing? I've never even heard of that. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. He said, so I'd like to pick your brain. So over the next six to 12 months, we just kept talking every once in a while on the phone. He'd call me with some questions. You know, how does that work? What does this mean? And then he came to me 12 months after I met him and said, hey, I'm thinking about starting a management company in Tennessee, in Nashville. And I don't know anything about multifamily. Would you be interested in starting this company with me? I'm like, absolutely. Because I had known the guy now for a year and I really liked him. I trusted him. Good character. Just a guy that everybody loves. And so we joined forces two years into that relationship. We started doing deals together. Um, Now I'm not going to go out to Nashville with no boots on the ground with nothing out there. So, you know, it worked out very well. Uh, We together now have, uh, we just closed on a 52 key uh, no tell motel. I'll be honest about that, but it's going to be redeveloped into (laughs) a resort style hotel. Right. And it's going to be the most incredible thing Nashville's ever seen. Um, you know, it's not going to be a high rise downtown skyscraper kind of hotel, but that's not what we're going after. It's going to be a resort style thing. So it's in, uh, East Nashville, which is transitioning, uh, becoming a very hot hip place to be. So we're doing that. We, uh, bought a two tower office building in Chattanooga, downtown Chattanooga and, you know, build costs or something like that's going to be 50, uh, $150 to $200 a square foot. Right. Got it for $42 a square foot. Like, That's wild. how can I lose here? How can you go wrong? Yeah, exactly. So we bought that. Um, you know, we Those sound like fun projects, man. Oh, dude, they're badass projects. Uh, yeah. I'm a consultant. Uh, so I've got advisory shares basically on a really large 1.5 million square foot once it's all built out project that we're doing out in Nashville, too. So lots of stuff going on out there. That's where I'm getting more into the like more traditional commercial space. I'm still doing all the multifamily down here. Multifamily in Nashville for me has been hard to find things that sure. fit. Most of it seems to be built, you know, 400 years ago or it was built yesterday. Right. There's not a lot of what you and I usually buy. I'm usually buying 80s and 90s construction. Yeah. Well, it seems like Nashville, you know, went through a very tough economic time at that point and they there just isn't much construction. Interesting. So it, it's been really hard to find things that really fit what we're looking to buy. Um, and just like Austin, it's expensive as hell, but we're finding lots of deals and commercial. And we're buying a lot of stuff that's completely vacant because wow. that's your turnaround story. You know, that office yeah. complex in downtown Chattanooga, totally empty. And it had been for two or three years. 
Incredible. It was owned by the city of Chattanooga. They don't need to make a profit. They just want that shit off their books. Yeah, fill so it up. I, I mean, Somebody take I don't it. know. Yeah, I don't know what prompted them to sell it to us for forty-two dollars a foot. But again, they don't really have a PL that they have to answer to investors on. So we got a great deal on that. I love it. Yeah, talk about value add. I mean, a vacant building. How's the financing for that? I mean, clearly there's some lenders that have the appetite for that. Is it? Uh, it's fun. Uh, yeah, I gotta <laughs> it, imagine. Yeah, no, it, it's not fun at all, actually. So what you learn, so what you and I do in multifamily, we're getting agency debt. We're going to Fannie and Freddie on almost everything. Right. We'll do a bridge loan every once in a while. But that's very easy. That's cookie cutter stuff. You know exactly what it's going to be. The yep. pricing is good. You've got long amortization table. You go into these smaller deals, you're usually going to be dealing with a local or regional bank. What I've learned if some of you are listening and you work at one of those local or regional banks, I apologize now. Oh my God, they suck. <laughs> because what ends up happening, this is what's in my brain. This might not be exactly what's happening, but this is what it, the way it feels. They're a sales guy. They're trying right. to lock up every single potential loan they can. Yep. And then they're, they're going to let the underwriting team figure it all out. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I can deliver a 15% down payment, 30 year am non-recourse. And then at the 11th hour, oh, you know, we're not going to be able to do this loan for you. I've had right. that happen like four or five times. It's Earnest money's hard. You got the team magic. in place. Exactly. Now I'm stuck. What yep. the hell am I going to do? I got to get an extension from the seller, which usually is going to cost me a few dollars. Yep. They're not going to just do it for free because they like me. Or I got to bring in hard money. And we've done hard money, right? We did one that was seller finance to get it across the finish line. Nice. He was super cool about it. And that you uh, pulled the seller finance at the last hour. Yes. And, and they went for it. That's great. Yep. They went for it. Well, because we had been letting them know all along for about the last two weeks that, you know, it's going a little slower than we thought. Are you open to this if it comes to it? And then it did come to it. We did hard money on one. Hard money scares the hell out of people. But yep. if you know you're only going to be in hard money for a couple of months, you know, it's, it's fine. You just roll all the fees and your closing costs. Yep. And these deals are big enough that, you know, the fees are pretty high, but the, oh, the overall scope of that deal, it's kind of meaningless. It, even if I have a 10 to 40 to $60,000 fee, an origination fee on that loan, and it's short term, still, if I'm going to, you know, have a 15 to $20 million project, that's not a big deal. Yeah, it gets, it gets absorbed by the, yeah. as but, a... As a dollar amount, it's a lot of money, but in the scope of the project, it gets absorbed. Right. So I've learned in commercial, especially when you're dealing with some of the smaller commercial, you learn how to forge relationships with lots of backup people, lots of redundancy. Yep. Um, we're always out there looking for non-conventional lenders to put into our Rolodex in case we ever need them. So yeah. you have to get more creative in commercial than I have had to be in multifamily for sure. Interesting. Interesting. So what's the, going back to the hotel, 50, 52 key, are you guys, this is fascinating to me because I haven't done any of those projects. Are you guys going to bring in a, a hotel operator? Are you going to run it yourself? And what's the renovation plan look like? No, no, no. We don't know what the hell we're doing with the hotel. So yeah, we, uh, because of our social media presence, uh, we had a guy reach out to us and said, hey, uh, I'm moving to Nashville. I'd really be interested in talking to you guys about what you're doing and see if there's a fit. We're like, oh, hell yeah. So what happened is Tyler and I, my partner, we had been looking at this hotel. It's a shithole, right? It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's drug infested. It's hooker infested. Our kind oh, of deal. Exactly. Value add. 
Yeah. But we kept looking at it for two years going, I don't, I can't envision it. I can't see it, but this seems like this is a good price. I just don't know what to do with it. It never got formally listed as far as I'm aware. But then this, this guy reached out to us and we're like, oh my God, this, hey, look at this deal with us. Do you see anything? Oh yeah. And Bell's just, you know. And this guy was an operator. He's a hotel operator. He's a designer and an operator. Okay, so cool. He is yeah. uh, one of the two guys behind Lorizon, which is the number one rated boutique hotel in the world by Condé Nast, four years running. He's the guy that designed that and operated that. And he found us on social media and reached out. It's all about social media. So now this dude, he's a badass. He, he's a brilliant dude. He's done this multiple times. So it was a perfect fit. So now he's going to be the operator, he's the designer. Uh, Tyler is the developer. I run all the back office uh, investor relations. So we've got our perfect little team put together now. Love it. But yeah, we we would have never done this without somebody like Jordan on our team. Right. Yeah. Uh, Dan Sullivan's got a book with uh, Benjamin Hardy, Who Not How. Um, great, great concept. And, and the thesis is right in the title, right? It's not a how do we solve this problem? It's who knows how to do this that we can that we can bring in. And that's, right. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like a perfect uh, setup on that project. That's really cool, man. I need to, um, are you guys going to be sharing that stuff on social as you progress through that project? Or is that more of just kind of for your investors or? Well, no, we will, <clears throat> yeah. you know, it's a 506B and we still do 506B. So we got to be careful what we share. Yeah. Legally, there's only so much we appropriately should share. So, but no, we're going to share all of it. We can, we had an, uh, an investor event about a month and a half ago where right. we brought up prospective investors, friends and family, and just walked around the project. And, you know, it's one thing to see a PDF or yes. a glossy brochure, but we, you know, got a bus, we set up lunch afterwards. We went out there, toured the project, um, had a good time with it, but yeah, we will be posting online about it. I've shared a few things uh, on my social. Tyler shares it shares it on his YouTube quite a bit too. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Look forward to following that. Well, let's talk about um, Streetversity.com. So this is a, this is an education platform. What was the genesis of that? What is it? What are you What are you doing with it? Well, it all started because I wrote the book, and right. it just got my wheels turned. So I wrote a book yep. called "Syndicating Is a Bitch," because I just like you, we've been in rooms where you get, uh, you know, come to my free event. But the whole time you're at my free event, I'm trying to sell you a $500 million worth of product. And right. so- Call for, and raise your credit card limit before the event starts, right? <laughs> exactly, that kind of or open 14 more. Um, so what happens at these events, they create a euphoric atmosphere, kind of a yes. Tony Robbins type thing. Very often they have students come across the stage saying, oh, I joined this group. And two weeks ago, I turned into a trillionaire. That's right. And you're like, oh, my God, I got to do this. No a lot effort. Of people are thinking, well, you know, this is too good to be true. But a lot of people really get swept up into that emotion. So yep. they write a $20,000 check or a $50,000 check to this group. Well, the group showed you and uh, showed you some of their students. It's all legit. It's all real. These people really did, you know, have lots of success following their program. Sure. But they're not telling you about the dead people you're going to find on your property or the arson or the home invasion or the carjacking or COVID. How do you deal with that? They don't talk about that stuff because if they do, you're going to get scared. You're not going to write them a check. Right. So I had to write the book, in my opinion, to peel back that curtain to say, hey, everything that they're telling you on these stages, it's true, but they're not giving you the whole story. 
So before you write somebody a $50,000 check and then regret it two months down the line, you're like, oh my God, this is harder than you guys made it sound. Yep. I teach you exactly what happens in a syndication. I tell you who to use, when to use them, how much you're going to pay for them, how to get it under contract, how to raise money. I give you every single thing you need to go out and do it on your own. But then I realized the book can only do so much. And people are asking me constantly, do you have education? Do you have mentoring? Do you have coaching? So I thought, you know what? Let's do that. Let's go ahead and start this. So I created, I've got a, uh, and it, an entry level class for syndications. I've got an advanced that will come with a lot of bonus forms, some bonus videos on advanced techniques, but the original course, it's enough. It's all you really need to go out there and do your own syndication. But again, you know, just like paying a coach, the advanced will give you a lot more. Uh, I've created a ton of spreadsheets and forms that help guide you through the process a little more in depth. And then um, my wife has actually got an accounting course that she's put on there because one thing these groups are not doing usually that I'm aware of, they're not teaching you bookkeeping. Right. You know, you don't need to be a CPA to do this, but you have to have a basic understanding of how to keep books or how to know the bookkeeping that your management company is sending you every month. Is this legit? Are they stealing from me? How do I read these financials? So we've got that on there. But the big thing with Streetversity, not only can you go in there and I'll teach you everything I know, but also we've designed it that we can onboard other instructors. So think about Kajabi or Udemy. We've built the exact same thing. Once we have it up and running for ourselves and we have proof of concept, you know, work out all the bugs and the kinks, we're going to start onboarding other instructors that, you know, it's the same thing that they, the other companies are doing, you know, for 15 to 30%, whatever the number works out to be, you host all your stuff on my site. I'll help you market it. And I'm just going to take a cut of your sales, but now you don't have to do anything except teach people how to do stuff. That's right. You get right right to it. I love, that's a great model. I love it. Yep. So, yep. That's what we're up to there. Um, We have, uh, we're in the planning stages of uh, a big workshop that we're going to do. Uh, on how to syndicate and how to, you know, buy your first deal. We keep having to put it off because, you know, we finally get to the other side of COVID and now Delta's spiraling. Yeah, so now I'm like, let's, let's lay it again. Cause yep. I don't want to sell people tickets to get into this thing. And then at the last second, now you could probably change your flights and, you know, reschedule uh, those, yeah. but your hotel might not let you do that. Right. I don't want to create a lot of heartburn for people because we had to reschedule. Right. Yep. So we're probably going to do it first quarter of 2022. It'll be here in Austin. So that's awesome. going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Um, you, you mentioned that you built some spreadsheets and, and put them in the course. And, you know, it kind of seems to me, I've talked to a lot of people. I've coached some people, I've been investing for a while. There's kind of this spreadsheet mind and there's guys that love that. And then there's like the relationships and capital raising. You're, you, you, very clearly have done both and they're very different skill sets, right? Do you, do you identify more with, you know, a, a guy that can just crank spreadsheets or the guy that can go out and, and, and get up on stage and talk to a room without any hesitation? Are you more one or the other? Do you think you're a, a blend and, and how is that like, how has that played into your success? Cause I see so, people kind of falling into one or one or the other, right? right? I am a blend. I, I'm lucky enough to be born with a very high level of EQ, emotional intelligence. Right. And I love to be on stage. I absolutely love it because I like on stage, I can help 
you know, a thousand, five, 10,000 people. Super leveraged. Exactly. You know, but I'm also a spreadsheet guy. I, I grew up a baseball player, right? Baseball, I'm a baseball fanatic. It's all stats. It's all numbers. So my brain is really wired that way too. And I love investing. So I love spreadsheets because I do have a blend. What I've noticed, and people would probably look at my spreadsheet and go, oh, you, you're full of shit. It's just as bad with yours. People spreadsheets are so individualized, right? I will create a spreadsheet and share it with you. And you'll look at it and go, none of this makes sense. I can't figure. People don't understand when they create these spreadsheets. They're not user-friendly. They're not intuitive at all. They know what's in that spreadsheet, but the person on the other end, that's going to use that spreadsheet. Now they're like, "Uh, I'm just going to plug numbers where you told me to plug numbers, but I, I don't understand. I want you to understand the mechanism behind the scenes. I want you to understand what's going on under the hood. I've purposely designed my underwriting spreadsheet that comes with four videos to walk you through each section in in detail. But I wanted it to be very simplistically done, very robust, but also very readable, very intuitive, because most people that I'm teaching and that you're teaching probably, they're not coming out of Texas A&M with a master's in real estate finance. Right. They need to understand it at a very base level. So that's why I've done uh, constructed my spreadsheet the way I have. But yeah, I do have a little bit of both. I don't know how to network in a room where I don't know people very well, but I'm great on stage. I but I also like the the nuts and bolts of the deal. I love the spreadsheet. So I really do like both of it. Right. Yeah, no, that's, it's apparent. Thanks for sharing that. I like what you mentioned about keeping the spreadsheet simple. I think I see people getting bent out of shape and I, I've struggled with it too, where, you know, if you play with the exit cap by 15 basis points, it's going to change things or what, what are our taxes going to be? Are, is it going to be assessed at hundred percent? 90? I mean, that's a huge swing and people want to just naturally make the spreadsheet reality and not change it. And that that's not how it, how it goes. We're making the best guess with the information we have. And I kind of have over time preferred simplicity because we're going to, we're going to assume some things on rents and expenses, and then we're going to get out and do it. It's all going to change. And we're going to constantly monitor and tweak things the entire time we own the property. And I think that's tough for people to understand that you don't just build the spreadsheet, go do it and have it just bop, 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 follow the spreadsheet for five years. Well, yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things that I'm teaching people when I'm teaching them how to underwrite, I talk to them about this, that look, a spreadsheet is very mechanical. It's, let's see, let's see it, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. It, it's more of an art than a science almost, right. right? So simplistically, it is a science. Plug this into there and you get that, right? That's what a spreadsheet's all about. It's to, to simplify things. But I teach people that, there's as much art involved in underwriting as there is science, because if you just take numbers off of a PL, a profit and loss statement, or what we call a T12, and you just plug it into your spreadsheet, am I allowed to cuss? I, I, I almost so. said a really bad word. Uh, otherwise, this, this is going to fuck yourself. <laughs> you really are, because yeah. you know, on one deal that I was underwriting with some guy that I'm coaching, uh, he just took the numbers and plugged them in there. I said, okay, let's start breaking all this stuff down now. I've taught you how to do it. You did it. Let's look at it. I said, look at look at your payroll. How much was your payroll? I'm just going to pull some numbers out of my ass here. $240,000 for the year. Okay. So th- that's why you put $240,000 into your underwriting spreadsheet. Well, yeah, because that's what they're paying. And I know I can run it that way. I'm like, oh, oh can you? 
He goes, what do you mean? I said, now, don't just look at the total. Look month by month. They're averaging $20,000 a month, right? $240,000 for the year. But do you notice anything weird in June, July, August of 2020? He goes, oh yeah, there's nothing there. Like, they got a PPP loan, dude. You're not going to get that. Yep. If you take their total, you're screwed. Yep. Because you have so underestimated your payroll. Now, you're going to run it the way you run it, not the way the seller runs it. I get that too. But yeah, there's a lot of kind of investigative work that you have to do, uh, to, do to break down those financials, not just take them on the surface. Go into the income, look for anomalies. Why did, you know, so I've got a huge bump in cable TV income. Well, don't assume you're going, if you take the total, you're going to get screwed up because they probably signed a bulk contract with a cable company and they gave them thousands of dollars in one month. You're probably not going to be able to replicate that. So you just got to dig through, figure out what's going on. You know, that's the fun part of it to me. Yeah. The spreadsheet is fine, but it's all about building the spreadsheet, understanding the business intimately. And that's what, that's what underwriting is to me. Yeah, no, I love it. You know, I've, I've kind of told our team that does the underwriting, just assume the financials are fraud, outright fraudulent mm-hmm. because it's a good indicator. We can look at stuff. We could try to do some forensic accounting here based on a T12 or older financials, but don't put any weight on it. We're going to look at our pro forma moving forward, what we can operate this thing at. And we may get some ideas and ask some questions based on the the fine the historicals, um, but you know they're not running it, and the the numbers might not be in there. You know I've seen stuff. You've probably seen stuff where things were outright deleted out of, out of financials, right? So just assume that you know um, you're dealing with with uh, incorrect financials, and you got to build your own number and your own story moving forward. Absolutely, because even if they're not being fraudulent, they may be running the property you're going to buy out of a sister property. Sure. So I've seen times where they show nothing for payroll. Well, I know that if I buy it, I don't have a sister property down the street. I got to put all payroll in there. That's so right. yeah, you, you just got to know what's going on there um, and, and be able to see through it. And like you said, you could, can get a good feel for what's going on in the business, what they are or are not doing right, in my opinion, but it's based on experience that if I see, say they're electric or they're, uh, let's say their water bill, is running a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a unit. I'm like, whoa, I'm paying five hundred bucks a unit in San Antonio, right? Um, for utilities, not just water, but for all utilities. Well, what that tells me, if they're running three times what I'm running with other projects in the in the same city, well, they probably haven't retrofitted toilets. So now I can start breaking down that T12 and go, oh, they have done this, they haven't done that. Again, that's the fun part is just trying to figure out what the real story is. Right. Right. Yeah, I love it. You're starting to see the matrix after a little while, right? You kind of yeah, exactly even know what, what happened. <laughs> I love it. Well, Bruce Peterson, thank you for, for jumping on, um, sharing some of your story. I'm excited for what you guys have going on right now and, and will continue to do. If somebody wants to get in your world, connect with you uh, on all the stuff you do, how can they do that? Well, I'd say go to Instagram, follow me there, but I've been hacked and I can't get into it right now. So I'm I'm trying to get that back right now, but apartmentguy.com. It's app-guy.com. You know, that's where we're, uh, you'll see everything we're working on. There's a link into Streetversity and the education tab. So you can see what the education is all about. 
I try to be active on Facebook and LinkedIn, not as active as I should be, but uh, APT-Guy on Facebook and APT.Guy, I think it is, on LinkedIn. But yeah, that that's the best way to keep in touch with me. Um, but the, the website probably is the easiest, actually. Gotcha. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. You guys can just scroll down, listening to this, right in the description, click through the website and uh, and connect with Bruce and all the stuff he has going on. So awesome. Bruce, thank you. Really enjoyed it, man. Good to catch up. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team answer any questions you have and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. A lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review that helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.